Last week I spoke on this issue of, um, of what, what do we do? We, we must unite for this generation. And he says in Hebrews 10, 23, let us, hold past, uh, let us hold the profession of our faith without wavering. I illustrated that. Guys, it was like so many families are falling through the cracks and so many people are getting away and so many people are struggling and wondering why is it happening that way. Because the Bible says in the next verse that, that he gave us the, the, the mandate, he gave us the instructions. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much the more of the Bible and all of that. We broke that down about accountability of what that means. Exhorting one another, edifying one another, encouraging one another. We don't see those things happening. We won't see the body of Christ grow. We won't see the mission of God accomplished. We, we, we're just going through the motion of these things. And all these things is we've got to get to the point where we are consistent in what God has called us to do. We are consistent. So I'm going to ask you to do this. We're, we're going to do a reality check. And I'm, I'm going to just do this introduction before we start getting into all these things. And I, I, want, to, I want to pray before I even and start this. I, 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 I'm on the list to speak, but I, I want to pray for us. So you, you join me in prayer. God, I'm, I'm asking, or the things that I'm about to read right now will be lived out in our church. Lord, my, my burden is that we will be a church that is known as a lighthouse, as a, as a center of hope, a place of rescue, a place of restoration, a place of second chances. Lord, because this world is so tore up, sin has ran its course Sin has done its job. And Lord, the world is so messed up that they need hope. Lord, so I pray, Lord, as we preach and we teach and we go through this, Lord, that you will give us hope and instructions of what we're here to do. Lord, help us to follow the example of Jesus Christ and help us to live this out as well. We pray this in your name. Amen. Jesus gave this instructions it was the the power of what he was saying at the end of three years of ministry he said go and make disciples guys i can't tell you any more clearly of the importance of what we do as a church is to make disciples we wrapped our mission statement as a church around this here it is we are a family that exists to make disciples that love god love others and serve both we are a family man i i i spoke on that part a lot last week we, we, we encourage, we, we, this, this part right here, it's awesome. There's a connection in here that you don't find in the world. It's different than everything that you find in the world. And the Bible says we are a family. We have a heavenly father. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're there to be part of each other's lives and part of each other's business. We are a family that exists to make disciples. Now, that, that part is so important. We're, we're a family with a mission. We're a family with a job. We don't just gather, but the Bible says that when we gather, we have a mission to accomplish as we gather. We have a job to do. Jesus gave the instructions. And I love how the book of Acts starts and begins to tell the story of the, of the disciples going to do this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, they gladly received his word and were baptized. And the same day, they were added to them about 3,000 souls. Now, yeah, I, I, I love the terminology of what's even saying here. The Bible says that they went out and they started reaching people. And the Bible says they added unto them. And this is why. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. They were just living out and doing what the Bible says. They were living out what Jesus said to do. Guys, it's, there, there's something that goes wrong when we leave out the instructions and we begin to do our own thing. And then we wonder, why our church is dying? Why are things falling apart? There's an estimate between four and 7,000 churches close their doors in America every single year. Four, and thousand, four to 7,000 churches close their doors every year. Why, why are those statistics like that? Because the Bible says, as they grew, by Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Do you see what they were saying through that is the fact that when they were living out what the Bible said, it worked. It, I, I, was, I was driving to my mom's house on the street that I grew up on, the street that I passed and went to work and school every single day of my life. 
and there's this one church, and me and Dave stood in awe as we drove past there of literally the church has been condemned, and it's falling in. Literally, the roof of it's falling in. They like closed, boarded up the windows and did that. And you say, what a shame, absolute shame, because you know what? The, the world needs church more now than they ever did before. And to see that kind of thing happening, you say, well, what's going wrong? If we get away from discipleship, then we are not doing our job. I use this illustration a while back. I'm curious how many of you guys will even remember this. I said if we were talking about discipleship, and uh, I started the year off a couple years ago with this thing, and I said, let's not talk about discipleship. Let me change gears and use it another way. Let's say instead of discipleship, let's say our church was a chair factory. If we were a chair factory, a chair factory, what should be coming out of the back of our factory at the end of the day? Chairs. You guys are awesome. Yes, chairs. If we were a chair factory and there was no chairs coming out of our factory, I would walk into the factory and try to figure out what's going on inside this place that is not making this do what it should be doing. Because all of a sudden, everybody in the factory has their job. But at the end of the day, we should be having chairs. Now, the thing, we're not making chairs. We're making disciples. You guys understand that we are making disciples. We, we go into the world and we find the raw materials. And I use this same illustration when I did this before. We go into the world, we find the raw materials. And I'm going to use this through the beginning, the end of the service as we do this. And you say, that's not very much. That's not very appealing. It's amazing what God can do with people that he finds in the world to turn them into what he has planned for them. But this doesn't just happen. You see, there's a process, there's a plan, there's everything that God has put in place to do this. I used the illustration of the woman at the well when I did this, of the fact that the woman at the well encountered Jesus, and she was a wreck. She was a mess. She had all these issues and problems in her life, but when Jesus got a hold of her, all of a sudden, things begin to change in our lives. Church should be a place of life change. You say, how does that happen? What, what, what is that? What happens between there and there in order for us to see and experience life change in people's lives? We are a church that exists to make disciples, that love God, love others, and serves both. That is how we make disciples. That is what Jesus did, and the Bible says at the end of it in John 4, 28, and the woman left her water part and went her way into the city, saith unto the men, come and see a man that told me everything I did. Is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto her again. This wasn't emotionalism. This wasn't just religion. This was life change. Guys, today we want to pray through this. God, help us to be a church of life change. Help us to be a church that when we look at this from here to here, this is what you find through the whole course of it, is lives being changed because we follow and obey God's word. We're praying over our job of being disciple makers I'm going to ask Derek Bujak, he's going to come and pray for us, praying that God allows us to be the church for this generation. But as we do, we are biblical in all that we do. We are biblical in how we, how we function, how we act, how, we, how, how every person in this building does their part. It's not just me, it's not just the pastor, but it's part, every person doing this to produce disciples so that we are everything that we should be for the glory of God. Dear Lord, I thank you for this church and I thank you for this body of believers that is here. And God, I pray that you would help us to do our jobs as a church. I would pray that each one of us would find that job, whatever it is, and that we would do it with all our might, with our, all our soul, with all our mind. And God, I pray that through the efforts of this church and all the ministries that we have, that we would be producing what we're supposed to be producing. It's not just about our programs, and it's not just about the songs, and it's not just about the, 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 like the uh, emotional, emotionalism and symbolism, but it's really about the, the product at the end. And God, I pray that you'd help us all just to do our parts, find out whatever that is, and uh, lead us to that ministry, and help us to do that ministry the best we can. pray these things in Jesus' name. If you believe that God is good all the time, would you give me like a really loud amen? amen? Sometimes that's difficult to understand. When you are loving God, loving others, and serving both, you will learn very quickly that sometimes things don't go exactly the way you planned because there's some people you don't always want to love. 
And sometimes there's some things in your life that you don't understand and you want to know, God, should I love you? Because it seems like you're not loving me right now. But we believe in loving God, loving others, and serving both. In order to love God, we have to understand what the Bible says about that. Matthew 22 and verse 37 says this. Jesus said unto them, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy what? With all your what? We have to have the mind of Christ, and that's not easy at times. It is our responsibility as believers not only to love God, but to teach others how to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. When I was 14 years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ in Resaca, Georgia, on a very hot day. It was in that same period of time I swore into the preach, and I was passionate about it. You know why I wanted to preach? Because I heard others preach, and it made me have a desire to give the good news to other people through preaching and teaching. To love God, we learn to love people through our preaching and our teaching and our worship. Does that make sense? When we worship, it is us declaring our love to God, as you just did. But when we hear preaching, it is God declaring his love to us through his word. I was so excited when I surrendered the preach. I was just a little redneck guy, bald. I didn't know I was bald. I just kept on holding on with the little bit I had left. But at 14 years old, I was zealous. And I had a couple of opportunities to preach. And I jumped right in. And I was just, half the time I didn't know what I was saying. I was just excited because I wanted people to know how much I love God. And I wanted them to love God and serve God too. And I'd get up from my heart and declare God's word. You want to hear a clip? Don't make fun of me now. You got that? <laughs> God called me, me to preach. I was thinking as these preachers were preaching that we're, a, we're not a messenger of Clinton. We're not a messenger of a president or of some company or anything like that. We're a messenger of God. I mean, think about that, preachers. We're, we're, we're a messenger of a king. Oh, thank God we have the responsibility to spread the gospel across this land. Oh, thank God for that. Don't, don't mock me now. I had a little, I was, I was a redneck in Somerville, Alabama. And as a teenager, I was just excited to be called to preach. Listen, it is, it's teaching others how to love God through the preaching and teaching. That's why you see these teenagers up here singing from their heart. That's a worship team. That's the next generation. We are training our children the same way in Awana. That's why we have parent night on, on this Wednesday over in the fellowship hall. Because we want to develop in our children, in our teenagers, in our people, the mindset that I'm going to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. Because in order to love others, you have to first love God. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen one more time. I know without a shadow of a doubt, for Fellowship Baptist Church to be successful, we have to embrace the doctrines of the Bible. We have to develop a passion and a love not only to serve but to know his word and to teach others, that's discipleship. And through God's word, we can develop this mindset even in our children because we know we are living in the last days. It is so difficult as a grown man to serve God, to have the mindset of God, to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. But I can't imagine how difficult it will be for our children one day to be able to do the same, love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, with the complications that surround them, the problems, the difficulties, the sin. I am challenging you as a church to set aside every mentality that you have, every idea that you have of the church, and focus on this one thing. What is it to truly love God? What is it to truly love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Because to love God with all the heart means to fix your affection supremely on him. 
To love God with all your soul means you're willing to give up your life to serve him. To love God with all of your mind means you're going to cast down the ideas and your imaginations and things that you develop that cause you to get anxious and cause you to be depressed and cause you to worry and say, I'm setting my affections on things above, not on things of this earth, because I know he's in control. Now that's easy to preach. That's easy to teach. That's easy to toot your horn and tell everybody else how to live. But when you have to do it yourself and really get serious, it becomes more difficult. But it is a necessity for us to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. I want to do this. I want to pause before we talk about loving others. Because we need prayer. Seriously. To love others is very difficult. And at times... I wonder how can I love that person because they drive me crazy. How can I embrace them with truth because I'd rather just walk away and give them nothing. The only way that I can have a heart to love others is starting with loving God. I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray right now because this is a prayer service this morning. There's no big shots in here by the way. Just because I'm up here or somebody steps up to the mic like John's about to pray doesn't mean they're any more special than you. It's called the priesthood of the believers. We have the ability, all of us, to stand before God or kneel before God and pray. Do you understand? And it's important for you to understand that. So often we lean on preachers and pastors and say, would you pray for me? I know you could get your prayers answered. Not necessarily. You have the ability to pray just like we do. And I'm asking you right now, while he prays, I'm asking you to pray as well. I'm asking you to seek God. I'm asking you to ask God right now to help us as a church to love God purely from the heart, with the mind, with the soul, and help us disciple others on how to do the same thing. Will you pray with us? John's gonna pray, and as he prays, I want you to pray as well. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you today, Lord, and and know that we cannot read your word without understanding the awful, dreadful, eternal expanse of your love, Lord. We know that you love us endlessly, God, whether through the creation of the world or through the sacrifice of your son who died as a ransom for our sins. Lord, we pray that we can take Jesus as our example, Lord, that we can become known both individually and corporately, Lord, as a church, as a people who love recklessly, Lord, who love others and see them as you see them, God, as made in your image and worthy of that kind of love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As Pastor Tony says often, there are too many casualties in the church. If you'll take your Bible and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, the Bible gives us incredible wisdom for our life. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9, God says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. We talk about loving God, loving others, and serving both. In these verses, God tells us that we need each other. Do you know that? I need you. You need me. Somebody sitting beside you needs what you have to offer. And you need the help of somebody else in this room. Why is this? In verse number 10, the Bible said that, For if they fall, the one will lift the other up. Do you know the Bible says in Galatians 6.2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Does anybody in here have a burden? 
Do you ever have a burden? If you don't have one now, you're probably going to have one tomorrow. It's Monday, but it's Labor Day, so you don't have to go to work. We have burdens. The Bible says that these are burdens. We're to care for one another. And in doing so, we will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ says this in Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Loving God. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus issued a new commandment to his disciples in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, your love for one another, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Do you know there is coming a time that you will fall? You will get sick. You will get discouraged. You might lose your job. You may lose a close family member. You may get a bad diagnosis. You will sin. You will have days where you want to give up. And some of you are there today. You will face financial hardship. You will face difficulty. This is, you're like, got a lot of good news today, Pastor Chris. Listen, when you fall, and the Bible says we all go through these difficult times, in Ecclesiastes, God said, Woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. You know, God has a plan for you when you face difficulty, and it's this church family. That's God's plan. He, he created each other, all of us here, so that we can help one another when we fall. When we fall, and we will fall, woe to us if we don't have another to help us up. Here at Fellowship, we believe in groups. We had our Connexpo last week with our growth groups, our Bible teaching classes that care. We had our life groups, those Bible discussion groups that care and provide and help one another. And we have our connection groups where you can easily make friends. And we believe in groups, and we believe in groups because it's in this smaller group environment that people can live out the commands of Christ toward one another. Love one another. This is how we're going to be known as his disciples. We say this, that life is better together. Let us each do our part to experience church the way it is meant to be. Do you know church is meant to be not all alone by yourself, going through your difficulty by yourself. Life is meant to be lived side by side with brothers and sisters in Christ that care about you and that you care about them. This time I'm going to invite Stan Dick. Stan, he's one of our life group leaders, him and his wife. And uh, Stan is our, our coach. He's, he's one of our coaches of our disciple-making life group leader. So Stan, if you would just pray and ask for God's help, and as he prays, would you pray in your seat, ask for God's help in our effort to be that disciple, those disciples that love one another. Dear God, you are a good God. You are a great God. You're an awesome God. Father, thank you for so many blessings, and thank you for so many answers of prayer, and we thank you, Lord, for this great church that you provided us. I thank you for all the pastors of the church and thankful for their dedication and to you, Father, and serving you. Father, I pray for our people. Thank you for a great people that we have here today. And Father, I know you've said in your word many times that we were created and we were designed to please you. And Father, in pleasing you is to love you, but also to love others as we love you. Father, help us to remove our selfish ways and help us to love one another, care for each other, support each other at all times. And Father, we'll give you the praise and we'll give you the glory for everything. In your name we pray, amen. Loving God, loving others, serving both. That's the mission. We've already seen how we're supposed to love God. We've seen how we're supposed to love others and the product of both of those things, of loving God, of loving others, is serving both, serving God and serving others. There's a phrase in our starting point class that is used. It says, every member 
is a minister. Every member is a minister. This is something that I grew up learning, not necessarily because I was taught it, but because I was shown it lived out in my parents' lives. My dad was never a pastor, but my parents were always ministering. I saw it throughout my entire life. My parents would have fellowships at our house. We'd just invite people over, have pizza, and we would just fellowship with each other. That's what we did. We would, my parents taught Sunday school. They visited people in need. They participated in service days. If there was something that needed done at the church, my mom and dad were always willing to help. They weren't a pastor. They weren't technically full-time ministry, but they were members who were ministers. They ministered constantly. So I grew up seeing this, seeing my parents as members be ministers. So it's important that every member of the body is a minister, but why? That's because Jesus values service. Look at John chapter 13, verses 14 through 17. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Jesus is our example, and he clearly wants us to follow it. He says it. He says, I've made an example for you. In Scripture, the Bible depicts the church like a body. It says that each part of the body needs to do what it's supposed to do, to be what's best for the body, to be profitable for the body. The whole body cannot be an ear. Can you imagine if my body was just ears? I wouldn't be able to do anything other than hear things well, right? I, I wouldn't be able to walk. Could you, you, can't, you can't just chop off a leg and the body function the way that it was meant, intended to work. You can't have that with the body. Each person is created by God to serve in a specific way, in a way that God has called them to. We all have a specific note that we are supposed to play in order to make a beautiful sounding image. Be together not the same. We are as a church to serve together, but we don't all have to serve in a specific way, in the same way. We're all meant to serve in whichever way God calls us to. We're going to serve in different ways because we are all created differently. So you're saying, okay, I understand every member should be a minister. Why? Because Jesus values service, but how do I know where I'm supposed to serve? You serve where your spiritual gifts, your ministry passions, and your availability meet together. There's a picture on our website that says, where do I fit? And it has these different things in in circles. It says, it it has the three different things, spiritual gifts, ministry passions, and availability. Your spiritual gifts are given to you when you accept Christ as your savior. These gifts are meant to be used in serving within the church. These are gifts that God gives you. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, there's a spiritual gift test on our website at fbc.family, and you can find out what your spiritual gifts are. Your ministry passions are what you want to do. They're what you're passionate about. If you don't like children, I would not recommend working in the kids' ministry. That's just how it goes. What your ministry passions are, pursue that. And of course, your availability is when you are available to serve. Right in the middle of all those three things is where you'll find the prime position for you to serve in. As I conclude, I would like to invite Shelley Morecambe to come prepare to pray for us. Loving God, loving others, serving both. Every member is a minister. Why? Because Jesus values service. How do I know where to serve? You should serve where your spiritual gifts, ministry passions, and availability meet. Serving God and others is the proof that you love God and others. Will you choose to serve? Shelley. Our Heavenly Father, how I love you. You have been our faithful servant. Our ultimate servant, oh Lord, how I thank you that you have given us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you've given us a mouth to speak your truth. Lord God, I thank you for the feet that you've given us to walk forward to to those that are hurting and in need and hands to reach out. Lord God, please forgive us. Forgive us that we have taken advantage and not been grateful for the gifts that you've given us. Forgive us that we do not speak boldly of your gospel. The true hope, the true healing is all in you, Lord Jesus. And yet we hide it. We hide it under our fears. We hide it under um, our frailty. We hide it under our past, thinking that we're not good enough. But Lord Jesus, it was by your stripes that we are healed. And Lord, it's also by our stripes 
the things that we've gone through in life that we can reach out to others and bring hope to them. You truly are Jesus, our only hope. Heavenly Father, I beg you to not let us let the trials of our life be in vain, that we will reach out with the things that you have taught us to serve one another. If we've been hungry, Lord, help us to feed the hungry. Lord, if we have been without finances, Lord, help us to teach. Help us to reach out. Lord God, if we have been in illness, we know what it feels like to to be hopeless and yet only find that you are truly the hope. Lord God, don't allow us to serve ourselves but to take the things that you've brought into our lives to reach out and make a difference for you. Lord, create in us a clean heart and have a right spirit within us. In thy name I pray, amen. So we start out not looking like much Don't get upset when people come through the door of the church and they don't look like everybody else. That is so easy to happen, and especially in our religious circles or whatever you want to call it. People come in and we almost snub them because they don't know how to dress or act like the rest of the Christians there. Jesus specialized and went after people that looked, came out of the world and had all the scars of sin and everything else that came out of the world of sin and despair because that's what it does but through the course of it our job is to make disciples the very first thing that God has given us is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart soul mind and might love God can't take any other steps if you don't first have a relationship with our God it's the most important thing that we do every one of us as pastors is that's what we're going to do we're going to provoke you to love and good works. We're going to provoke you to love. Every time I get up here from the pulpit, I'm not up here just to fill the the time up. It's not just to go through the motions because it's Sunday morning. My job, every single Sunday, every one of our pastors, every single Sunday school, every life leader, provoke you to love God. I'm not talking about should you not be in your Bible at home. Absolutely. Should you be praising God at home? Absolutely. But when we come corporately as a church, our goal is, is to develop that relationship in your life by lifting up Jesus Christ of the Word of God. And the beautiful thing is when we come into this circle right here, we get to send it right back to Him through our worship. To let Him know, and I'll tell you, people say that I can worship at home, but there's something beautiful about the church coming together to worship our God. I love seeing the teens up here with the adults and everybody working together, praising our God, because that is an image of what the church is. But then he said, what is the second? The second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He says, to love God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and might. So we do that. as Every time we come together to worship and provoke one another to do that, we do it through preaching and teaching and through the worship. But then the Bible says to provoke one another to love each other. That's vital for us as a church. And the reason why we're always talking about the connection that you have is because all of a sudden the, the Bible talks about loving each other is not just something that we do because you come, sit, and go. There's got to be more to it. How many of you guys came in this morning and you were part of our, our, our groups and classes this morning? Raise your hand. You, you were a part of it right now. That's, that's awesome. And a lot of you guys weren't. Our goal is to push you to do that because that is the relationship that somebody's going to get to know you and you're going to get to know them. And there's going to be the challenge in your life and the challenge from you to them. It goes both ways. There's a reason that Jesus went out and he called 12 disciples. He didn't call a congregation. He called 12 disciples and he gathered them together. And by the time that they were graduated from being part of the Jesus school of discipleship, they went out and they turned the world upside down. They shared life together. They provoked one another. They educated one another. They served one another. It was a group of edifying and caring and loving for one another. But I tell you, then we bring people into understanding that they were created with a purpose. And that is to serve both. And one of the last things that Jesus did before he went to the cross is he got down on his feet and he washed the disciples' feet. And he, 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 t- he took the nastiest part about them and he washed it. 
you've ever done a study on that, that in the Bible, that, that was the lowest form of a, of a servant. It was the one that got stuck washing the feet of everybody that came through the door. Jesus pushed that servant out the door before they got here, and he took on that form of a servant. And he washed their feet. He said, why did he do that? He stood up and he says, what I have done to you, you're to do to one another. I've done this as an example unto you. Inside the body of Christ, all these things that happen through discipleship of provoking one another, of teaching and preaching and worship, it's our ministry that we do that. In life groups, we minister to one another. When you walk through the door of the church, whether you're opening a door, changing a baby, parking a car, or, or, or driving a bus, every single one of us play a part in the function of the body of Christ. Guys, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm saying this because I love you. If you're not involved inside the ministries of the church, you are missing out on something that God has for your life. There's not one part of your body whatsoever that's there just as a a waste. Every single part of your body serves a reason. Have any of you broke or hurt your baby toe before? Have you ever stumped that and you thought, praise God for my baby toe? Thinking, what, what, what does that have any significance? And then when you're limping around going, I really need that little thing. It's, it's amazing how you sit there and say, I, I have no significance. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a singer. I'm not, I'm not. I promise you, if you were created by God, which you were, you have a reason to be in the church. And you miss out on it. And so many people, they just come and they sit and they go and they say, man, I'm missing something in my life. You won't find it in the world. You will not find it in the world. And let me say this, because I love you guys. You know that I love you. I'll tell you this. It's a shame when Christians will invest their time in t-ball, baseball, and everything else, but they don't have time to invest in God's work. Just being real. If you have a talent to sing, play an instrument, teach, educate, lead, care for children, whatever, you have a position, you have a place in the body of Christ Every single part of the body of Christ works together. And the Bible says that it all comes together for the work of the ministry. And at the end of Ephesians 4.12, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know what that is? Is That's the body growing into what it's supposed to be. I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. Every single one of these things from teaching and preaching and the worship service that we push everybody to come to. To being part of a group for discipleship and accountability and care and love and edifying to ministry of all those things. It's not just a slogan that we have. It's the purpose that we're trying to accomplish through the local church. By, by the way, which was never created by us. It was created by God. But this is cool. So at the end of it, I was telling you guys about this story of the woman at the well, and I, I, I'm doing a flashback to what we did. So I, I know we've thrown a lot of verses. I, I want you guys to actually look at this one. Take your Bibles to John 4.28. John 4.28. Jesus was driven by love. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The reason why Jesus came into our world, the reason why he came to the woman at the well, the reason why he went to Nicodemus, it's because God had a love for the world. God had a love for you. God had a love for me. He didn't do it because he had to. But the Bible says because of the joy that was set before him, he wanted to come to us. He loved us that much. He came to that woman. Loved on her, confronted her, cared for her. Showed her love when nobody else did. She went in the heat of the day when nobody else did. During that time, she'd been married five times, divorced five times. She was probably avoiding people, not wanting to even hear about it. She was marked in her culture. She was rejected. You think about the whole principle of that. During those Bible days, women didn't divorce men. Men divorced women. Literally mean five times she had somebody come up to her life and say, get out of here, I don't want you anymore. You don't think that messes with somebody's mind? You, when this, this picture of right here, I guarantee this is how she felt when she came to Jesus. Like, you have no idea how messed up I am. And God says, you have no idea what I plan to do with your life. You have no idea what I'm going to do with your life. But we've got to see that. Now, along the way, not only are we going through the teaching and preaching of groups and ministry, but along the way, we're trying to lead other people to do the same thing. And that's where it comes. What happens when all of us are doing this? What happens when every disciple person's job is to, make a, to be a disciple, but at the same time, our goal is to make disciples? Let me show you this girl that started off over here. The Bible says what happens next. And the woman left her water pot. That's why she came there. 
Verse 28, the woman left her water park and went her way into the what? Let's try that again. And went her way into the what? She went into the city. She, she, I'm not, don't say this wrong, but they think this wrong. She left Jesus. She left her fellowship. She left her connection right there. And she ran into the city. Say, what is in the city that's so important? Well, look at verse, I uh, keep reading. And, and saith unto the men, come see a man that told me all the things that I ever did. You see, it wasn't that Jesus didn't confront her sin. It's just the fact that Jesus led her to the solution. Is, this not, is not this the Christ? Verse 30, so then they went out of the city and came in unto him. Let me show you guys this process. So after we make disciples, you know what we're to do as disciples? You know why we're to have it to where churches are not dying? We sit there and get so upset. Churches are dying. Churches are dying. Churches are declining. You know why? Because sometimes we fall so in love with this process that we don't finish up on what God's called us to do. He sit there and say, I just love coming and hearing the singing. It blesses my heart. Praise God for that. That's not all God's called you to do. And I'm saying that right now because I'm provoking you to love and good works right now. I am telling you, if that is where you've left it, you are missing out on a whole chunk of your Christian life. And then you say, I don't, I don't know why I don't feel fulfilled because you're missing out. And you have the service and you have the connection. You have all these things that God planned for us to have. And at the end of it, she's like, man, uh, this has changed my life. The Bible says that she did this. She ran into the city to find the other people and says, hey, I found something. She says, is this not the man? You tell me, I'll tell you what, if for somebody that went out of her way to avoid people, it's kind of odd that she went to the very people that she went to, was avoiding at the beginning. You think about it, some of those men that she went to in the city were probably the ones that left her to begin with. And for her to run into the city and for them to say something changed about her, and here she goes. She goes in the city, and this is what she does. Somebody took my sticks. <laughs> I had a really cool illustration here. <laughs> Somebody took my stick. <laughs> oh, that was a nasty trick. <laughs> Where's David? (laughs) So she runs into the city. She says, come see a man. Now remember what we said before. The fact that they were doing the job, and the Bible says that they added to the church, and by chapter 6, the church began to multiply. You know why? Because they didn't just fall in love with the process. She ran into the city. She found the other people that needed it. In the verse 39, read with me, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. Listen to this. As a result of what? One messed up girl that was rejected that says, what could anybody do with this life? God says, let me show you what I can do with that life. When somebody led her to Jesus and loved her and cared for her and showed her her purpose in life, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. For the saying of the reject. For the saying of the messed up one. Which testified, he told me all that I ever did. It's amazing. How sometimes we are like that. And then we lose it. We don't tell anybody. We sit there and wonder, what's wrong with the church today? We're what's wrong with the church today. We don't go out and do it. Now let me show you, it's not, the story's not even done. Watch what happens. Listen, verse 40. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and abode there, three, or, uh, there two days. Verse 41. And many more believed because of his own word. Here, here we have the process again. They go out. Oh, stay. They're over here. <laughs> this time you're going to remember the message. Remember when he couldn't find his sticks? And many more. Uh, you guys know we're not talking about sticks. We're talking about the raw material that it takes to make chairs, okay? That, that, but we're not making chairs, are we? We're making disciples. And the very fact that God looks at that and says, we, we pass these people all the time on the street, and we're just like, man, that's a mess. 
That's, that's a homeless person, and that's, a, that's this or that. And our minds, our sinful minds, sit there and think that they, they have nothing to offer God. No, they, if they're a living soul, they have everything to offer God. We, we just get blinded by, our, by our, our comfort levels. But if you back up and go to verse 3, it all started because he left Judea and it parted again into Galilee, and he said he must needs go through Samaria. You know what he was saying here? I have to do this. See, guys, it's not just about the discipleship. It's not just about our weekend experience of what we do. It's not just about the groups that we connect. It's not just about the service that we have for each other. It's the fact that we're making products that's going to go out, that disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. You sit there and say, I don't know why they get so worked up about getting people involved. I don't know why they get so worked up about getting people connected. I don't know why they, because that is what God's called us to do. And if we sit there, like I talked about last week, and we put the little country church image up there and say, I just, I just like my pews and my stand, uh, you know, stained glass windows and da, 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 all, this, all the things that we've created, we're not doing the work of God, then we're not doing the work of God. He's called us to this. So our fall is going to look different here at Fellowship Baptist Church. There are some things that we just moved our schedule around on purpose. Because the thing is, the world needs Jesus. Guys, the world needs Jesus. Columbus, Ohio needs Fellowship Baptist Church. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. And guys, I love, we just finished summer in the Psalms and we got together and we, did, we had Bible study and nachos and Bible study and, and uh, root beer floats and everything else. Praise God, that's awesome. But at the end of the process, you know what we do? We go. We go to where the people are and we find them and we help them and we bring them back to where we found the help to begin with. And you know what we do after that? We take them, we don't knock them down, but we carry them through all the way through the process. And every one of us plays a part in doing this. It's what we do. It's what church is. Now, I don't know if you're going to walk out of here remembering discipleship or chair making. I don't know what you're going to walk out of here. But sometimes I need a visual like this. So here's why we're going out over here. And, and they'll give the announcements in just a week from now. On a Monday night, we're gathering in our community. We have a center downtown. We've asked all our community leaders and school teachers and students to gather. We're going to pray over them. We're, going to, we're, we're meeting to pray down God's help and blessing and protection among our city leaders. A week after that, we have a movie night that we're doing here at the church. We're going to blow up a screen, put it out in the yard, show the movie Aladdin. Before we get out there, I get a chance to grab the mic in front of all the families that show up and I get to give the gospel to them. You say, why are you doing that? If it takes just showing a, a, a kid's movie to get them in to give them the gospel, then I'll show a movie to get the kids in to give them the gospel. Jesus fed the crowds because he loved and cared for him, met a need. He showed relational uh, means to them first. We, we, we're going to be gathering supplies over the fall to be able to put together these packets and then we're going to have work nights to assemble these packets in our church that we're going to give out to the homeless people that every single one of us, not just me and not just church leaders, but we're going to distribute them among the church and inside there we'll have the gospel to tell them that Jesus loves them, but it will be pairs of socks and, and things that they need and granola bars or whatever that we can help them on the spot. When you pull up to a place and they're holding the sign and you're saying, I don't know what to do to help them, then let's help them. Give them resources of knowing how to get off the street, whatever we can do at the time. I want to plan a time in our community, and I'm going to be overseeing this project where we're going to do like a marriage clinic, a, a, a free marriage clinic for our community and invite people to come into some center that we rent out whatever and teach them how to fix their marriage. Because you think about it, you say, well, I know how to fix my marriage. I come to church. Where does somebody in the world go to besides Dr. Phil and Oprah? You think about it. I, I, and, and we're going to call it like a marriage tune-up or whatever. And then I'm going to assemble a, people, a group of people and we're going to go there. And then at the end of it, I'll have, be able to incorporate and explain to them that God created marriage and it works with God and here's how you can know him. I, I'm not against the fun that we did. And if you guys notice, we don't have the church picnic on our calendar this year. And you're like, oh. because of the thing is, we get so busy that all of a sudden we're so busy 
gathering to fellowship that we don't have the time to go and reach. We're still doing a lot of fun stuff, and I'm not trying to, because we need the balance of all this stuff, guys. We, we need each other. We need each other. We need each other. You cut that out, and all of a sudden, you just go hardcore reaching people, you'll burn out. We need worship. We need preaching. We need ministry. We need outreach. We need balance. We, we, we don't need to wear out trying to do everything. Man, you guys can't do everything, but I'll tell you, it's a shame if we do nothing. We've got to. God's just worked in my heart. I don't know how much time we have left, but I'm going to do the work while there's daylight. And I, I, I'm just asking you guys to jump in while we do this. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now. I, I know this was different. We're not done praying. We're going to keep praying. I'm asking God to help us as we do this. Because there's a mess outside. There's a mess outside, guys. There's a mess outside. There's a mess outside. Heroin is taking people every single night in our city. We have homeless people on every corner. The divorce rate is skyrocketing. Suicide is in the news. People are disrespecting cops and tearing down our leadership. Say, what do they need? They don't need your comments on Facebook. They don't need the arguments around the cooler. What the world needs is the hope of Jesus Christ. And God has blessed us, and I tell you, I can't control what everybody does, but I can be the leader that stands up and says, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go, let's run, let's meet them. I want to be Jesus that finds the woman at the well, that sends that woman into the city. I want to be the Jesus that goes to Nicodemus. I want to be Jesus that goes to the leper. I want to be Jesus that goes to the ones that feel like nobody else loves them. I want to be that guy. Do you want to be that guy? Do you want to be that woman? Do you want to be that mom? Do you want to be that dad? And you say, I'm in this church. The church is the body of Christ that does something. We're not a club. We're not a hangout. We're hope. We are to be the hospital for this area. We're to be the, the, the rescue squad for those that are dying and don't know why. It's what we do. It's who we are. I'm ready to go. But I'm asking you to go with me. I'm asking you to set your eyes upon the harvest. I'm asking you to say, I'm willing to not only be a disciple, I'm willing to make a disciple. God, as we roll into this time, Lord, help to be our burden in our heart, Lord, not to just, not just, just show up on Sunday. Lord, I know we need this. Lord, you created preaching. You created teaching. You created worship. But Lord, help us not to leave it here. Lord, help us to rise up, connect with others, serve each other, and go out to make a difference.